Uh, like when you were saying you were recording, then we were recording and then I was talking because we were recording. Otherwise, we don't talk. Like, are we recording now? We are recording now. When when did we actually... Is this the first time you've been recording? No. As, what, of, what today, as of today, yes. When, so when you said we were recording, we weren't recording. This is kind of important. So 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 you're a fuck up. And all the conversation we were having about clarifying how any of this works is not actually recording. So it didn't happen in the real world. So we're starting eight minutes late. Yes. At the start, right? Okay. Why don't I start from scratch so that this can actually be recorded? So right now, fucking, fucking. uh, Why even bother? So... Fuck, man, that pisses me off to no end. You have no idea. Okay. So I was talking about sharing screens, and I guess that doesn't matter anymore. I was talking about delegation of responsibilities. And you're going to have to get all the data from previous recordings to me, and I'll go through, I'll audit it all, and possibly clip stuff out. Um... And then I don't know whether or not we'll, we'll want to publish any of that. So it does sound like you're going to need to set up a YouTube account and um, we can upload the backlogs of the, I think it's, this will be number five, I believe. Uh, three. No, this will be four. This is the fourth. Okay. I believe it's four. Um, yeah, we had three recordings on the laptop and then there was yesterday. There's yes. And then there's, yeah, this one, then that'll make it four. Four or five. I, I'm pretty sure it's four, but it might be five. You have you have a directory. Which is not stored which... on this computer. Okay, so we're going to have to fix that as well. Yeah, so, yeah, migrating everything from that computer to this one. Okay, so uh, we have no topics to actually talk about. Um, or do you want to set up where you're, or do you have the, no, you said you gave, you got rid of the Raspberry Pi, didn't you? Yeah, because it was it's trash. So you said you wanted to do. You said you t- you want to, at one point do a torrent or a server or a server box or a torrent box. Yeah, I was gonna set up. Uh, I mean, I w- I'm waiting either on the my new device to exist to come out of the prototyping phase or buy a new laptop and i was looking at the new laptop but i don't think it's being sold anymore i have to look a little bit harder i mean i really hope it's still being sold because it's the last model that they have that has the keyboard layout i want the problem is it's not inexpensive but it's one of these like it would be the only it would be the last laptop i buy and then unless it gets worn out or whatever the heck so, you know, five, 10 years or whatever it'll be worth. And since I'll be putting Linux on it, it'll, it, it only gets better. Uh, I mean, I say that, but it's not true. I'm sorry. Just let, I need to check one thing before we go and um, possibly record like forever footage and turns out it's for nothing. I'm confused. You're, te- you're concluding the test and listening to it? Yes. Okay. I touched no settings from yesterday, but I just want to be sure, just in case if we're recording for nothing, just to be recording. So you resumed recording? 
I stopped and started a new one. So there is now an additional recording. Yes. Okay. With so, like a two second, with like a few seconds of interrupt. So we'll, we'll yeah. Okay. So those will those two audio files will be in the same folder for processing. Yes. Okay. So um, now that I can't remember, isn't cotton very helpful though? Cotton. Well, I mean, like cotton is one of the core. Sorry, say again? Something about preventing yeast infection or reducing the amount of yeast infections. Uh, what? I'm talking about clothing, really. Yeah, I'm talking about you're... cotton and yeast infection. Or is it the other way around? What? I I mean, if you're talking about women's... What the heck, heck is it called? Women's sanitary napkins? Mm. Oh, I can turn my camera off, I suppose. Stop streaming black. Uh, so checklist should probably include updating Discord. So make a note for that. And checklist uh, and your to-do list can probably be in, uh, can yeah, probably include. Yeah, cotton and silk underwear absorb moisture, keeping you dry. Okay, <laughs> so no silk. You like silk lining. Mm. So so silk with a cotton lining. There there we go. Um. Yeah. What? <laughs> where? Where did you get that? It's your fault. I that was really bored. Event. <laughs> is actually one of the the world's most water wasteful things. The human. Huh. Uh, it's cotton and rice and soy. The the result is not. Uh, let's say it's not potable. The water is not potable after being used in these endeavors. So uh, I always keep in mind, whenever you're hearing, I know it's a meme to say that uh, vegans are all uppity about food and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it comes with the ideology. However, however, it is, it is overplayed. The pushback against veganism is overplayed. However, I always keep in mind whenever I'm, I'm hearing like a vegetarian or so vegetarianism is the food. Veganism is an overarching philosophy that just happens to have vegetarianism in it. Lots of things are vegetarian without being vegan. So vegan includes things like not wearing leather belts and shoes and all kinds of other byproducts in your life. It's not a diet thing. But whenever I'm hearing something about vegetarianism, I always keep in mind that like they eat a lot of rice and soy products, like a lot. So they're, well, I'm, I don't eat meat. It's for whatever reason. And like, okay, well, you don't, veg, veganism says you'd be vegetarian because you care about the world and you care about animals. Animals is a specific argument. But if their argument is I'm a vegetarian because I care about the world, it's like, no, no, you don't because you don't understand about water wastage. And so if you've got water wastage based on you're eating a shit ton of rice and soy related products, then to, instead of See, a lot of people have this constrained, this narrow vision of how things are in the world. They only care about, like, vegans care about things when they have brown eyes, and, and that's it. And then as soon as it's, it doesn't have eyes anymore, they don't, they don't care so much. They don't, they don't care about what plants. They don't care about where they're grown. They don't care about how those, those they don't care about pesticides, water use. They, they might not even care that there's the essential that there's essentially slave labor 
uh, actually managing that. They wouldn't care about the land laws. They wouldn't like, hey, if you're buying wheat from these guys, did you know that those farmers are not legally allowed to keep the seed from their own crops in order to reseed themselves? They're required by law to purchase seeds from some third-party company, which happened to be involved in bribing the politicians to pass that law in the first place. Like, so people have these philosophies that are narrow and it's, and whenever somebody brings up their, their holier than thou philosophy, I just, I just have to take a step back and look at the rest of the, the world that they're ignoring, that they're basically choosing to, to head in the sand thing. And it's especially true with like movements, with people's social endeavors with, oh, we need to think of them. It's just like. And the rest of the world means nothing. Like, so it's uh, it's a very strange uh, fixation that people ideologically have when they they have blinders. Do you know what the the term blinders means? You don't know one thing, notice the other. Well, it comes from uh, back in the days when we used horses. Blinders are these yeah, oh, i don't yeah, know what they were yeah yeah and they, so they go on the side of the horse's head to narrow the field of view so well, that they're not paying, it's uh paying attention to what's in front of you rather than everything else on your peripheral vision yeah that's how we're using it and uh, for horses it was to make sure they didn't get spooked by other traffic running past. um and so for humans and we also have the uh, burying your head in the sand, which is taken from ostriches, even though they don't do. They don't? As far as I know, ostriches do not do that. You cut out every, you cut out the end of when you said they do, they don't. So as far as I know, ostriches do not do that. Um, I'm not certain that. If only we could um, find out. Yeah, if only we had some sort of internet thing. Some I don't even know how to spell it. Ostrich? You yes. don't have to spell anything anymore. Just tell Google. Do ostrich. Okay, Google searches. Do ostriches fly? Travel and herd. Bury their heads. Have hollow bones. Have teeth. Have wings. Live in the desert. <laughs> have three All... stomachs? What? <laughs> Isn't that cows? <laughs> they have... All things that have bones have hollow bones. That's that's uh that's the purpose of bones so i've been telling my friend who says he can't sleep during the daytime to do what ostriches do oh god okay so the response is that if they know they're running if they know there's danger and they can't get away they play dead and their neck <laughs> and their head and neck are flat on the ground and their ground are lightly colored, so it looks like it blends in with the color of the soil. There you go. And did you know that lemmings don't hurl themselves off of cliffs? That's that's fake news. That's a goddamn that chicken. That was uh, National Geographic actually did a doc. I think it was them did a documentary where they weren't particularly interesting, and what the, and they actually started. Picking them up and hurling them off and <laughs> filming that. That's great. I, I think that was, I, that either started or propagated this, this myth. So we use that to, to describe, you know, certain 
we use that to describe. I mean, that's not inaccurate. It's the old, uh, you know, if such and such, if if your friends all jumped off a bridge, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think most people, yeah. Otherwise, what? You have no friends. Uh, I mean, if everybody else is doing it, it must be safe. Uh, all the lemmings are jumping. Okay. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of of uh, pursuit like that that where people have crowd mentalities. It's, herd mentality is a big part of what it is to be. And and I'm it's part of my my core toolkit to understand people. It's uh it's the idea of intellectual frugality. Have I talked to you with that phrase? Nope. What? So intellectual frugality is noting that a person only has enough uh steam to tackle the things that they're interested in so they only have enough time they only have enough uh, interest specialty you know resources to do anything about certain things because they're uh, mortal and they have constraints in time and space and all this kind of stuff so if you were to in any crowd bring up anything um odds are really good that the majority of people won't know anything, won't be able to do anything, will be ineffective, whatever. People forget that that the odds are also good that somebody in there will have significant expertise with any of these things. But the problem is when we examine crowds, uh, the stupidity gets amplified. And so intellectual frugality is, you might interpret it like laziness or stupidity, which isn't accurate, which is why I like using a more technical uh, term. Uh, and it's not a it's not a nicer term. It is just th- a better term to use, a more thorough, more exact term. And uh, intellectual frugality is is like um, I think I've pretty well explained it. And there's probably some technical descriptions, dictionary descriptions, etc. For it, but the idea of a person going along with, uh, you, if you want, you can call it a trend. And so like a crowd trend, the idea with any individual just doing, just acting like everybody else without thinking about it is a, is not because they're dumb and not because they're sheep that they, they could be those things, but it's not because they're those things necessarily. It's that all humans have this intellectual frugality where we only have so much, so many fucks to give. So there are a lot of things that everybody else, and we might care about all of our friends and just not understand the topic and go along with it. You know, everybody else is, is voting purple. I'll go purple. And just that's what they do. And they don't examine what's going on. So they don't, for example, well, uh, GMO is a great stuff. So back to the vegetarianism, veganism stuff, there's often uh, associated ideologies with food. And one of them is GMO. So GMO is genetically modified organism. And that is a test tube lab modification of the genetics for, in this case, is for food. And humans have been doing this for thousands of years. That's why we have weird things like oranges that are orange or bananas or potatoes or, you know, pigeons and cats and dogs and, 
and horses and cows and pigs and sheep and the list goes on we've been modifying those foods and we just used to do it the the random challenging ways so for example in canada um we had a we we had a nightmare in canada called wheat rust and what re what wheat rust was is a a disease that affected a certain variety of wheat and it would it, it would spoil it for human consumption and it just swept across all crops across most of canada and just destroyed them and there was a resulting more or less a famine because uh, most countries will rely on a handful of staples and canada is an extremely high wheat producing country in general we export wheat um so our uh central areas well we do a lot of wheat the united states used to and i think they they now do corn because they got government subsidies that never went away because of their great depression and that's why they have like high fructose corn syrup and everything because corn is subsidized for no reason so that's why a lot of people are are dying um because of leftover subsidies anyhow canada uh the wheat rust was specific to a, a variety and canada learned to both breed and keep multiple varieties of wheat so that we don't have one kind in, in the entire country we've got many kinds and we have seed banks of all of the different previous generations that we've tried so if there's another kind of wheat rust that pops up or the same one it, it might be absolutely devastating but only to uh, one or a couple of varieties of that so genetic modification in our terms is is something that began with our breeding out and keeping varieties of stuff and then just being selective um, and gmo is being extremely um, focused and splicing in genetics with the general knowledge that you will get a certain result and then and just so pushing and pushing and pushing and, and in only x number of cycles of manipulation producing a thing that's quite different um and a lot of people are saying oh science is bad we we shouldn't do that because it's unnatural it's like well no no it's not i mean okay well i guess it's unnatural that humans perform natural selection against stuff and will will we'll say breed cows and the cow that bites someone we won't let that one breed and we'll probably kill it on the spot and eat it and the next generation of cow if that cow bites someone or it's aggressive that one doesn't get to breed and, and we've been doing that for so many years the cows are now i've got like meme pictures of cows like licking cats and being friendly with dogs and stuff in the wild there's no way that those that those creatures would be as docile as we have made them humans have been humans have been engineering animals since forever that's we're, we're not just top of the food chain we actually manufacture a food chain for us and that's not even contemporary that's ten thousand years ago we've been doing this for a long time just look at dogs i mean look at dogs god and cats, dogs any household pets essentially well, and, and that's pets, I should say. well now we've got like foxes are being pets i saw it's the most weird thing okay i saw 
more than on more than one occasion, and you can look this stuff up. People at least handling baby platypuses. Now, do you do you know much about platypi? <laughs> platypuses? Aren't they, what aren't they just weird ass species that can that can do a bunch of things? They're like a leftover chimera weird animal. They're just yeah. they're they're just strange. So they they are mammals, but they they have bills <laughs> like like a duck. And they live in water and they lay eggs, even though they're a mammal. <laughs> and they have, they're poisonous <laughs> like yeah. a snake. And they're not just poisonous. They're, they're one of the most dangerous poisonous things. So this is this dude with like petting a bunch of little baby platypuses. And they're like, all for, like only humans, only humans would do this kind of crap. I mean, one way is to look at the the Japanese. Uh, have you ever seen the Japanese and their dogs or cats? Not the way they engineer their pets, but just the way their pets act. Have you seen that stuff? How, their pets what? How their pets act. They're, if you see any videos of, of pets being extraordinarily human in the way they act, um, don't be shocked if it's Japanese. If it's... Oh, uh, how the monkey was a butler. And there's a chimpanzee where it's it's a wait it's a waiter, and he gets tipped in um, pe- uh, paid in peanuts. I mean that has existed. I know that's in that was in early America, where they had that sort of stuff. But that's that's circus. I mean, in terms of house pets, um, I know that the, in the Persian area they had the little little monkeys. They they're there has been a pet-like bond between people and those for a long time. And I don't quite think that exists anywhere else. You have reverence to certain kind of monkeys in places in India, for example. Um, and there are other places where they're just kind of not, they, they're wild-ish, but they live around people, but they're not like pets or anything. Um, in Japan, um, they might, train dogs to play um like guessing games or cats to do puzzles or just the weirdest stuff so that is a was this one guy that's who a i've cat. been told where he arm wrestled his cat when he was younger <laughs> wrestles a cat like a house cat yeah i'm guessing <laughs> i mean i've got video of of people with uh with lions and cheetahs and and the cheetahs and stuff like they're they're big big cats and and they're just nuzzling up, up against their human and they're all adorable and all very very pet like and these are incredibly dangerous just a little misunderstanding will get you killed well one one person well i've seen houses where they have a pig as a pet or they have a wolf as a pet wolf's a so pig is actually really common. Not um, really. In terms of having it as a pet, we've got little pets, but I've seen big pets. And common in terms of it being like a pretty casual, it's not an ex- extraordinary pet to have, even if it's wolf is dangerous, like real dangerous. But wolves have rules. And if you know the rules real well, and if the if you raise the wolf since it was little, then it will follow those rules. However, those rules are pretty harsh, 
and random friends that drop by might not know all the rules. And that can be a really serious problem because there's not necessarily forgiveness for, uh, for something that hasn't been bred and rebred down into being friendly. Um, and like I said, like with cows, like with cattle, we've got, there is the, there is the biological proof that breeding can change personality. And that's, that's how humans have manufactured all of our livestock and pets as we bred them into, into having personalities. We used to have dogs that were purpose-built, purpose-bred that, you know, like a Yorkshire Terrier, the Yorkshire Terrier's shtick was, it was small and it was, they're aggressive little bastards and they would actually chase rabbits down into the holes and they could into their burrows and would go after them and pull and haul the carcass out, the carcass out and uh, all kinds of other dogs for fox hunting or bird hunting or whatever the heck. Right. But generally speaking now they're just bred down into into toys that are pretty in different ways and their personalities are such that they're uh, they are not like what they might have been in, in nature and it's not because you haven't let it out and live in the wild grow up in the wild because we've seen that happen and they're just not functional you can't you can't take a bunch of baby cattle like baby cows set up a herd, give them a reasonable space to live in and have them grow up into like wild self-sustaining animals, like ignoring the fact that they're not physically right. They do not suddenly develop a personality that makes them capable of surviving anything different than what we've bred them for. And a lot of animals are like that. The notable exception is because uh, you cut out on no. You cut out as soon as you said notable exception is. Yeah. So it it sounds like Discord's not going to be appropriate for talking since. I, don't I mean, th- maybe if I turn off push to talk, it's, and I can it, try that. I think you should. Or, wait, you have push to talk on. Correct. Uh, leave it continuous and. Check. Either back up just a little bit from your mic. Nope. Okay, so it's on um, voice activity, and maybe that would be better. But now you're going to hear like my chair squeak, stuff like that. Authenticity, but I suppose I can hear. I can I can move my microphone so it's more in front of my face, and maybe that would matter. And I can fiddle with uh, mic sensitivity and stuff. Uh, It'll do it automatically if you just if you haven't touched the settings. Um. I probably have, but the settings are good. I've had other people say that they're that they're good. Okay. Okay. So I was talking about uh, cats being an exception to the idea of them being out in the wild, and dogs to some limited degree are, because there are places where uh, there are. So, people have indoor outdoor cats, and they they go outdoors and they they go mousing and they go bird they go birding. I guess it would be, and they'll kill them, and then cats kill half their stuff just for fun. And maybe they eat some of it and they bring some of it home because their human really sucks at hunting. So they want to like bring home some game for their, because they care. <laughs> Even though it's kind of horrifying for people to get to like the sleep with their bedroom door closed at night and their cat will go outside and come back in and will actually push dead mice under the door. That's great. 
<laughs> like, here, I got you something. And the cat will be like outside the door looking all proud <laughs> while the owner's horrified at having stepped on a dead mouse. <laughs> it's the best. Um, and, and dogs are much the same in that uh, there are a lot of dogs who kind they they form this mixed breed pack and they'll roam the streets and they actually do get wild and dangerous um one i know a guy from um oh where's my brain he's eastern european um and i i know the country is going to pop into my head i can't remember i don't know why i wouldn't remember it mm. spain he used to have, yeah, I can actually look this up. Okay, so here we go. Romania is where he's from. And the reason I can remember that is because I remember the name of the uh, the Soviet-era dictator. <laughs> How obscure is that, that I can look I'm up that so guy's name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyhow, this guy in Romania is talking about um, wild dogs that exist in some places still. And it's a, it's a big, big problem because they're dangerous. Um, so dogs can kind of revert back into something, but it's more like they go back to being pack animals, which I mean, normally they would just be pack animals friendly to humans in general, and certainly friendly to, to the people that, um, raise them and feed them and stuff. Um, but out in the wild, when they're just out in the wild, they kind of hang out around cities and then go through garbage and all. I, I'm really not sure how. A lot of these creatures could stay alive while in a human dominated region because we don't tend to have like where we live it's just a desert for anything except what we want there we tend to not have any leftover anything like birds are only around because we can't get rid of them we wouldn't capture them to to have them as pets or eat them or anything so they they're just kind of allowed to live we happen to have trees because that's about that's about as much as we do. Maybe some places have parks, kinda, but it's not like front lawns have anything edible for wild creatures, really. Backyards, not really. Some people plant. Uh, some people are really nice and they'll plant flowers for bees and stuff like that, or butterflies, or um, sometimes for hummingbirds and stuff like that. But it's not like dogs have anything to eat. <laughs> So I don't know how it works that you'd have roaming packs of wild dogs. Well, wild former house pet dogs. I don't know how that would actually happen. Um, yeah, anyhow. Um, but I do want to talk about plants some more and finish, finish off that with plants. Because a lot of people talk about GMOs. And <laughs> this wild train wreck was from GMOs. And GMOs, genetically modified organisms, and a lot of people have this limited philosophy and they don't understand it and they don't understand the scope very well and they don't try to map it over to other things. So they, they, they think about genetically modified plants and they don't know about how humans have been modifying plants and everything and animals for our purposes, for as long as we've come into contact with these things. And GMOs are a, a very direct, efficient way of doing it. And so they'll say, well, I'm, I'm not going to buy GMOs because GMOs are bad. 
And um, that, I mean, all things can be bad. So you can't say that GMOs can't be bad, but in general, they're not made to be bad. That's what the reason that um, genetically modified, let's say food exists at all is because that's a better way of breeding, of, of, of somehow creating a more optimal, a, let's, let's call it a more profitable product. Because technically speaking, we're still talking about a free market, more or less. When you have government subsidies, uh, kind of mucks things up. And when you have, when you can't quite have competition, it mucks things up. And when there are laws in the way, it mucks things up, and et cetera. But so you end up with these products that are more profitable. And generally speaking, what that means for plants is that they require less other things that require money. So uh, a GMO, the, the two things that, that they are bred for, uh, well, kind of three, one is uh, drought resistance. And you might say general like environmental hardiness. So it might be heat resistance as well, depending on what kind of plants we're talking about. And the other is pest resistance. The one is so that it, it can require less water because water is expensive. And the other is so it requires less pesticides. As it turns out, both of those are really great things to support. So you should not buy GMOs. You want to buy plants that have been modified so that it require less water, require less waste, less infrastructure to, to to take water from nature and pour it into this one purpose. And you, you absolutely want to reduce the amount of pesticides necessary. You want the plants to have natural defenses, or you want the plants to be more hardy. Or you want, so a lot of people, like, like I was talking about veganism or vegetarianism that has philosophies for, for their food, like the philosophy is completely incomplete because these are the same sorts of people that will not understand their choice of food and will make really weird um like i am so woke i buy green all my stuff is organic i don't do gmos and it's like they don't know what any of that means what it actually means so for example i'll give you an additional example because i think in terms of extreme long terms um People talk about so veganism. I don't want to. I don't. I don't disrespect veganism, other than thinking that it's very limited in scope. Um, I don't don't disrespect the the amount of of thinking that goes into developing an actual an ideology that cares. I think that's important. I just think it's too small for me to even care about. Like it's it's. It just has it just deals with animals, which is so incomplete to me that I I don't I don't even try. I don't even try. So say veganism says something like, um, we shouldn't use leather. That's that's a really common one when people start talking about products aside from food. Is they say, well, you shouldn't use leather. You shouldn't use leather for your boots, your um your belts, um, your your pants, your jackets, whatever. And these are the, the, when you choose to do that, when you choose to stray from certain kinds of products into certain other kinds of products, like you still need pants and you still need shoes, 
unfortunately we still need belts because we don't sell pants sizes and pants you know shrink in the wash and stuff like that so belts are still going to be a thing so you make it out of something else and there's this concept um we have the reduce reuse recycle concept the three r's this is canada so this concept is a little different in different places but the idea of of understanding the products we use in terms of this life cycle. So you, you take a thing, you, you try to get it used or you try to get it whatever. There's more than that. So reduce, reuse, recycle. So you use less of it if you can, if you choose to. You be a little frugal. Um, you reuse the thing for a different purpose. Try to get more out of it, more use out of it. Maybe you buy use and you recycle. So you you take your glass or your plastic and you try to make another use out of it, grind it up, try to get it melted down, turn it into another product. And these, these are partial and all this kind of stuff. So it's not, it's not perfect. Um, but there's more than that. There's repair. Uh, there's a lot of products that could be repaired, but are designed with planned obsolescence or are hard to repair. So I tinkered with a dryer the other day and it, just the way that it was designed makes it incredibly difficult to access one single screw in, in the, the back of the damn thing. You need a long handle screwdriver and it's got to have a magnetic tip. And why was it built like that? It was pretty arbitrary. They put stuff in the way on purpose to make it hard to, to actually work with. Uh, you got to move the entire thing. You got to get a flashlight all the way back there, fiddle with it. It's, re it's just no good. Designed wrong. And these are examples of, of an antagonism between a marketplace and the, the long-term sustainability of a product. And it, this relates to something like leather belts. Let's, let's call it, um, uh, what would be a good product? A jacket. Let's say a, a good bomber jacket of some sort. So we're talking about uh, cool, maybe slightly cold weather jacket. And if you're in the reduce, reuse, recycle camp, you, you think of things a little bit differently than somebody who's just vegan. Somebody who's just vegan says it can't be leather, period. It can't be certain animal products. And that would remove leather. However, it turns out that leather is, is an extremely long-wearing, efficient material to use for, well, everywhere. That's why we use it. And so if I were to make a really nice leather jacket out of it, that leather jacket could last. There are leather jackets that are out there that were uh, actually in service, worn by uh, Air Force in World War II. And they're still in service now. They're still, I mean, not by actual servicemen, but they, they were given to their kids or whatever. And they're still a daily wearer for people because they were, it was made right. And if, as a vegan, I were to choose against or select against leather, and I would choose some other material, that other material might not last 10 years. And so I'd end up buying another one in 10 years, and then another one, as opposed to one thing that would last 45 years. And there's an entire movement around a more complete way of looking at human impact on things, but it's also convenience and a cost thing called buy it for life b-i-f-l there's there's a little community on reddit and this is a concept that's out there elsewhere um where instead of thinking of 
the because veganism isn't about human impact on the world it's about things with pretty brown eyes and not like not harming torturing them kind of thing this this philosophy so so it is different and that's part of why i don't why i'm not a vegan is i would rather think of the world a little bit more complete so a vegan would make choices that would that would avoid things that are buy it for life um which is which means that they're making choices that are actually actually impacting the world negatively in other ways so they might choose to eat more rice and they might choose to have more cotton goods uh both of which waste a hell of a lot of water and the cotton goods are going to wear it a lot faster you could have a conversation with these people and they'd almost certainly um agree with things like well we should be switching to hemp and and etc like these are not they're not restricted to these uh these non-meat things and i like the buy it for life um philosophy i like opening up these ideas so that you can look in terms of when you when you purchase a product or a service even uh think in terms of longevity and as soon as you start thinking in terms of reduce, reuse, recycle, repair, buy for life type these philosophies, you're thinking in terms of extending the your use for that particular task, for that product, for as long as possible, making your impact on the world smaller and smaller, at least for that one thing. And if you do that for more and more things, then theoretically speaking, human impact in general would on the world, if that's something anybody really cares about, it will be lower. Um, technically speaking, a, I mean, technically, philosophically, um, because humans have intellectual frugality, which I talked about earlier, they're not going to be aware or interested in, in veganism or the repairing community or buy it for life. Um, they're just not, that's not their thing. Maybe they haven't been aware, um, haven't been made aware. Um, maybe they they only peripherally care. Maybe it's a convenience thing. It's like you shouldn't be buying junk food. You should be making your own food at home. But it's just a lot of people know you can do that. They just they still don't do it. Um, they might be made aware that it's possible to have some things repaired and just not care. Like um, in, in a free market. Um, the earth could be completely destroyed piece by piece, but the free market will adapt as soon as the uh, purchasers, as soon as customers say, well, I want this instead, the entire market changes. It, it's totally agnostic to the idea. And, it's, and as soon as there's resource constraints, the, um, the market automatically adapts. There's no need for like an authoritarian government demanding certain changes. doesn't matter. The, um, the problem is intellectual frugality will have the entirety of the earth consumed to be a ruinous wreck of garbage and then humans will adapt to living in, in that wreck of garbage and all the earth will be like that and i don't know if, or, or the nastiest places that have huge open dumps that humans sift through for parts to sell and stuff like that did did we talk um on microphone about the um the gold salvaging 
the toxic waste dump. I think it's in South Africa is the one I was thinking of. No, not that I think. So never. So one of the one of the complaints that people have, and it's a good complaint, is um, there are let's say producers, let's say producers in quote unquote the West. So let's say producers in the United States, who uh, they're manufacturers and they their manufacturing uh, process has garbage, uh, and or they're the products they sell with two American citizens, let's say. Um, eventually produces garbage because it doesn't last for, well, it doesn't last forever, period. And so what happens is maybe those products get collected in a recycling program. Electronics is the the one I want to bring up. So let's say electronics, you're supposed to, like technically what you do with a piece of electronics is you bring it to a specialized place. And they as there are like big chain electronic stores that accept random it's called e-waste and if if a, if a, for an electronics shop and stuff like that they'll have relationships for places that companies that will come and collect that waste but where that waste goes is onto a ship sent to some essentially third world country and is dropped off into essentially open garbage dumps and this is a free market arrangement, and it's approved by that government and by those businesses. This junk, what is waste to us, is purchased. So everything is on the is above board. Everything is legal from one end to the other. And there's processes in place, and you would say this is a good thing. But what ends up happening is you have massive junkyards of this stuff, and this electronic waste is still has value in it. Now, for people that understand repairs for electronics, the, there's an incredible amount of value in just, like I can take two broken things, I can take parts of one and make the other one work, right? So they both had value. Now, maybe I can take the, the I can make item A work, item B is now irreparable because it's now missing components. And it's got whatever original damage that it had. So I can still use B to maybe fix C and D and E. Like there's still there's still parts in it that might be necessary for other things to, to repair them. So there's a very significant amount of repairing that can be done with just broken stuff. And so people people in electronics in the let's call it the repair hobby know these things. So it's kind of a shame that all this stuff gets shipped off as garbage. And the places that that receive this stuff don't don't pursue any of these repairs. They don't know enough, they don't have the equipment, but generally speaking it's just cuz they don't know, which is a real shame. But what they do do is um there are raw materials that like the earth only has a limited number of pounds of uh of mined materials that are used in certain applications. And every every industry has certain physical material requirements. And a lot of that just comes from digging the stuff out of the ground. So stuff like gold, there's a limited amount of gold on earth. Theoretically there's more, you know, under the, we've got a big crust, so there's going to be more gold maybe around. Maybe maybe, I don't know. And there's value in 
ever increasing value in the junk that we produce that uses gold. And gold is one of the things that gets used on um, in electronics. And it gets used on on the little traces between components and things like that because it's a it's a very efficient transmitter of electrons, and um, because the this the essentially the friction by transmitting electricity through gold is much lower than it is through say copper wiring, and so you get less heat and all this kind of stuff. It's it's magic stuff. And so these parts in these dumps get subjected to chemicals to extract those components, those, those raw components again, and those can be sold back to there, the original companies or someone else. There was a TV and, show. Um, you heard of, uh, any chance you saw MacGyver back then? A little, but I can't remember any of it. So there's a reboot, and there's oh. they showed a TV show where they went to Africa to recover a hard drive because a senator was being black because the se- I think it was a senator being no, there was sensitive information on one of those hard drives which the guy did not properly dispose of, or they didn't do a destroy on site sort of thing, mm-hmm. and you see the process of Africans taking parts. One person's uh, boiling. His melting uh, gold. They take the hard drives and scan them for possibly anything to blackmail other people with. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm. That's so. That's the, the thing is that they'd have to pull apart the hard drives because presumably it it would not be working. That's they why have setups to scan the hard drives if they're working. Then they do it. If not, then yeah. I don't know. They that's might. Actually... They might attempt to to pursue it, but. Yeah, but I get the idea. That's that's actually that's a good example of the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Although there's the nefarious aspect. So this this cycle that I'm talking about is we producing all free legal mechanisms, but the the, the complaint is that we're actually not only shipping junk to another place, our junk <laughs> to another place. To make to make it the not our problem thing, they have different labor and pollution laws, and there's actual permanent pollution in the ground in these these dump sites, and they're actually the 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 toxicity of the soil itself is carcinogenic, and is absolutely guaranteed to cause cancer. Is how bad it is, and there are people that are mucking about in bare feet, uh, going through parts. I mean, because they're it, they're poor because this stuff is sent to a poor country because that's the most optimal in a free market that's the most optimal profitability so the the amorality of of that free market is taking advantage of that situation and so there are people who who see a more complete view of the products that we consume and understand that life cycle and want to understand the the recycling or the waste management of the things they buy as well so there's a a fine argument for the the longevity understanding so the buy it for life and then knowing what happens when you throw it away so i might be able to buy a leather jacket wear it 
for my literally the, the rest of my life. Like I can I can buy a nice leather jacket for something that might be a little bit big for like a 16-year-old and have him have them you know have children grow up, you know be grandparents and die at a ripe old age and they could be buried in that jacket. It would be perfect it I mean it wouldn't even get holes in it. Unless they're a cyclist that gets into uh, an accident and it won't even be scraped. And as opposed to multiple generations of clothing now, and they could, they could, it could be buried and it could be decomposed in however much time or whatever, as opposed to the artificial fluff that's put in jackets now that won't really decompose the whatever other plastics, et cetera, et cetera, that aren't really, they're not recyclable or they're not like, not that people really clip things apart to recycle components for their, they just casually throw away the entire thing. It's not like there's a special jacket, uh, jacket recycling facility in every town. Um, so just like thinking about, about GMOs, um, most people don't even think about garbage or the life cycle of their products. They certainly don't think about things like the politics or labor labor laws involved in stuff. And um, so it would be unethical because it would be against our labor laws to purchase any goods that are the result of that country's labor laws. That should be the general philosophy that we have is not just citizens putting pressure, political pressure to have our industries regulated in certain ways, but to also to regulate all the way through the through our industries internationally so that we don't do business with certain other places that that are are bad. And this is one of the reasons why um, countries will will hemorrhage their businesses that will move their factories to other countries that have lax labor laws or pollution laws those are the big ones but also tax laws and whatever other weird legal things um and i just find it kind of a shame that um everyday everyday people are so intellectually frugal and that there's nothing even prompting people who should be interested like a, a person who is a vegan for for philosophical reasons has the capacity in them to have a philosophy dictate their their choices dictate their their not just their diet choices that because that's just very vegetarianism but to, to inform their purchasing in general um that person has the capacity to be like that but they maybe haven't considered or they haven't had the time to to extend their interest out into products a little bit further, which I find to be an incredible shame. Um, and the notion that there might be shaming of a person that makes ideological purchases, like now I'm sure there are going to be people that are being shamed in the United States, particularly I'm thinking. If they say they will only buy made in America, if they... They have the choice. They'll only buy made in America. They're they're people who are so ideologically disturbed that they'll think that's racist. I'm like, what? 
or they'll think, oh my God, that is that is Republican. That is that is bad. That's for you. You can't be pro America. That would be. <laughs> it's like that's that's ex- that's what you have control over in the world as a as a consumer, as a shopper. It's you can insist on buying products, and you can insist on those products being tied as closely to the your voting as possible so you can control what the labor is like what the environmental impact is like i mean i really hope one day people consider garbage more and consider recycling more and consider the international chain of not just garbage but um resource acquisition or component acquisition so i'm sure there's shaming for people developing a more rounded philosophy that that grounds it in the only way you can ground um, a consumerist philosophy is in nationalism, because that's the only thing you have a vote for. Um, the only other thing you can do is is build your own business and insist on it that way. But your competitors are going to just bury you if you start a business with ethics in mind. Business in general doesn't is amoral. It doesn't understand morality. It in fact. Um, corporations are, I don't know if this is universal because I can't, I was never the type that went to understanding the mechanics of that part of business, but corporations, there are corporations that have a, so say it's a public corporation that sells stocks online. There are uh, corporations which have in their constitution, essentially the promise to their stock their their stockholders that they will have um that they will make a profit and th- that's their entire drive so they'll actually do nefarious nasty things for a profit and that will automatically outcompete an ethical company unless that ethical company can dominate um, the market somehow but they won't but they can't well often the the quote unquote ethical companies um the advantage they have is playing the the world's smallest violin with their ethical topic and the, the, and then convincing the shoppers to buy from them for that ethical reason and hope that they can outcompete the quote unquote unethical probably literally unethical competition they have so if if I made a made in America Incorporated, and it was a competitor to Walmart. Uh, first, good luck with that. But imagine I I did that. I could I could made in America like really hard, and there would be a massive, very um, dedicated shopper base for that, and the products would be double the price. I personally, I'd buy if it was if it was. I mean, I. Like I'd buy Canada, but I would also accept America, and and I would pay more because, um, assuming they also had more of a buy it for life philosophy going on, I would certainly pay double. Um, I paid. I bought new socks. I ended up returning them because they were a bit too tight. I might buy them again, but they're a little thick, and I don't like the fact that they have a big fat logo like right on the toes um from i can't remember the name of the company but they're buy it for life socks they might not live last your entire lifetime but they they have a lifetime warranty you can just replace them um but people are like 10 years and they're they're fine stuff like that 
and their socks to cost, I'm not joking, $20 per sock. And on the one hand, you, you, it's a fair argument to say, well, why not buy 20 pairs of socks? And okay, so they only last one year apiece, but, but whatever. I mean, it's, it's X amount of dollars over X amount of time. But again, that's an incomplete philosophy that doesn't understand a longer term impact. Those shitty socks, they only last so long. And you're not wearing 100% out. You're just wearing a hole in the sock in the bottom somewhere. You're not stitching it up. So you're not doing a repair. You're not using it as a rag for something else. You're just, you're throwing it away instantly. And so it only serves that lifespan. And that's a short lifespan. And it was how much cotton, which had to be grown, how much water had to be wasted, shipping from another country to get to you. That, I mean, that even though it's X volume, X weight, so it only took X fuel, it was whatever. And the labor laws are different over there and whatever supply chain and environmental impact over there, right? So there are problems, problems, problems. And uh, and it only lasts one year and you have to get another one and then you have to get another one and then you have to get another one. And maybe you just buy 20 up front so it's not inconvenient that way, but it's 20 times the garbage and it's out of the control of locally. But if you buy local and you pay 20 times, so that's kind of extreme. Um, but you pay two times, three times the price. If you buy more local, there's more control over the the politics of it. So the environmental, the business, the labor laws, the garbage laws. Um, there's less uh, transport. There's it lasts for longer. It produces less garbage, and so it's it's. There are arguments for doing paying more money because you're actually paying less money over the long run and you're being less abusive to let's call it you know the gaia worship you're you're being less impactful on the world whatever that means but you're you're having more of your uh, ethical concerns actually controlling the politics because it's all local you you don't control the labor laws of Malaysia or Indonesia or or whatever, wherever you get your cheap labor from, like you don't control the factories in Mexico. You can kind of, depending on how, how things work, but it's not like you can control the politics of you as a consumer, right? Can, can vote and control the politics of Mexico. Um, but you can at least do it at least as effectively as you can in your local environment, your your city, state, province, or country, that's kind of doable. Your local, your so, local area, relative local yeah. area. Yeah. Uh, and and buying local, buying local is a thing that um, I'm really, I don't, it's something that I always want to talk about because the, the notion, uh, other than these notions of, of labor laws and environmental laws, the idea that you could get something shipped and you get it shipped up from another country. It's, how is that getting shipped up? That's getting, um, that's put on a, a shipping um, vessel of some sort, waterborne. Um, maybe it's getting transferred to train. Maybe it's getting put on trucks. I know in the United States, trucks are 
the the a massive massive means of, of pushing stuff around and it's an hmm? transportation well in just for for goods like when you say pushing stuff around well f- transporting fine you and your technical wor- wording your wordsmithing i mean who says pushing things around whatever um so and people purchasing stuff um they never keep in mind how far that thing had to travel to get to them so like again again i'm gonna just beat on vegans because they've got an actual food philosophy vegetarians don't always um but they're like fruitarians they only eat fruit (laughs) good way to die young you should see the the deconversion videos on YouTube for, for like, I used to be a fruitarian. I almost died. <laughs> 15 minutes of them talking about what a bad idea it was. Um, I love, I love seeing stuff like that. Um, and I just want to, I just want to laugh when somebody has a, um, an aggressive philosophy that they, that they do the, the entire holier than thou and make, make a lineage of videos all talking about how great it was and then end it all with a, Oh, I was so wrong. Um, but you talk to, to, you listen to like a fruitarian, it's a specialized vegetarian and they'll, they're really big on bananas. And like, again, it's such an incomplete philosophy. In that case, it's a, it's a personal diet philosophy. It's not like a, a worldview philosophy, but their philosophy doesn't have a worldview of localism. So they'll actually have, they'll eat bananas grown in another country that's shipped by vessel of some sort to get to them, like a good quarter, a third of the way around the world, wherever they happen to be, maybe further. The amount of of the incorrectness of the labor laws, the pollution from the transportation, and it's not even just the diesel that that a boat would burn, but the fact that that boat had to be assembled in the first place to ship goods and they're contributing to the need for those things. And then whatever, um, then whatever outputted that stuff. Well, so, so it's like the mining has to happen and then the shipping for the mining, all the people have to be involved in it. And then the ascent, the, the plant has to exist for all the parts. And then the assembling has to happen for the boats. And the boat has to be maintained and fueled for products. And they're contributing to that impact as opposed to not being a fruitarian, but trying to buy at least in their own country so they can control the labor laws and the environmental laws and buying as locally as possible or growing their own, right? Which is not as easy as it sounds, certainly. And, and it's it is actually not feasible for individuals to grow all of their own food or even most of their own food and probably not even some of their own food but you can like make you can do some simple stuff and that would be a beautiful dream oh, um, so like you can't stop. just grow a banana pl- plant well no. i mean i'm sure there are some potheads who know how to do that kind of stuff who are like yeah sure First, what you do is you cut a hole in your first floor down to your basement. Uh, I said banana. Banana. And you'd be like, then they'd, they'd, 
they'd seal up all the windows and they'd 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 hotbox the entirety of their Wait house. Wait a second, it's legal here, is it? Why don't they need it's to do real. that? Well, no, 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 no. We're talking about banana plants. Well, why right? don't you need to hotbox it? No, no, because you need to you need to maintain a climate in your house, and Canada kind of gets cold sometimes. Oh, know you know. right. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are places where it just gets cold at night, not even just in winter. All year right. round, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Right, right. <laughs> so, so you you got your your uh, your apartment in downtown Toronto, and you have to have the height. So you cut a hole in one of the floors, and and you, you theoretically speaking, you could grow bananas locally. But none. Wait, aren't they seasonal? Bananas? All all. Aren't all, all plants fruit. are seasonal. Then it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, but you still need to hotbox your house. <laughs> no, you, for what? You, you would need to climate control your house because you're not going to have. So maybe you can you can GMO yourself some hardy bananas that'll grow locally, but it's unlikely. Um, I mean, maybe maybe that's why we don't have bananas locally because oh. What am I kidding? I know of an American that actually has a banana tree. Huh. So, yeah, I can see you growing in some places. Jeez. But, I mean, it wouldn't be as optimal as the place where the damn thing was originally discovered, I guess we can say. Discovered? Well. I mean, at this point, the genetics have been spliced so well, many times. Played with it was originally time. discovered, and then we were just like, oh, plant these better ones. <laughs> just keep going. Um, yeah, I... Uh, have you seen, you've seen what bananas used to kind of look like or what we think nope. they look like? I Nasty don't want The stuff that humans had to eat before, before we invented chicken nuggets. Do you mean before technology got better? Or science and technology got better? Well, bef yeah, before we started sciencing everything. Um, did you know the other day I learned that there are, there are for chicken McNuggets from McDonald's, which I know that there are people that are going to be cringing listening to this, like, oh my god, it's not real food. And you're right, it's not real food. But they actually have shapes. They actually have known shapes. Four different shapes that are used. Four chicken McNuggets from yes. McDonald's. And they actually have names. These four different shapes. And it's like, of course. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised they're knowable shapes, so that they can have molds for those four shapes. I'm not surprised. And they're just awkward enough shapes that you might not notice them when you're eating them. You, you have them in your little, your little, um, I, I guess, supposedly recyclable paper thing that you throw it anyway. Um, and it needs to all look like individual things so that they look like they're kind of real, like they're natural, not like they're mold formed little hunks of crap. And they're shaped in such a way, supposedly that they're with optimal dipability in mind. So they're, one is a boot shape and one is a, and, and so that there would be certain surfaces that would, would look good, feel good when you're dipping. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised. That's a thing. That's, I don't, I don't want to memor. I don't go to McDonald's often enough to really care. I feel like McDonald's I don't know for last some time. reason. Sorry. It feels like, I feel like McDonald's for some reason. Yeah. Now I do. Um, so I'm not surprised. That's kind of cute that they have names. It's like, um, what was it? The different shapes 
for Tetris also have names. It's like, why? why? Okay. I'm not surprised because humans name everything. So I think we're coming up on another break, are we not? Are you there? Yeah. Do we have like 30 seconds for another break? <laughs> yes, I'll start on another completely... And it's, it's a good time to be on break. Okay. And we're paused.